so we will uh, go ahead, even though we are down uh, at least two folks that are normally here, but maybe David will show up. I know Reed is not coming because he emailed me. Um, but I'd like for us to go over again Paul's um, exhortation or speech to the Ephesian elders. So before we do that, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Christ our God, open our hearts and minds to your word. Uh, illumine our hearts with whatever we find within your word that we may be instructed and encouraged to put behind ourselves our carnal living and to live into your spirit and a spiritual manner of living so that we may bring glory honor to you and to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, uh, do you want to read this out loud or should uh, I? I can do it. All right. Can you start at verse 17 and then we'll read, we'll go through it. Sure. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you all the time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which befell me through the plot of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance to God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, bound in the Spirit, not knowing what shall befall me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may accomplish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all you among whom I have gone preaching will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with the blood of his own son. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessity, necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by so toiling, one must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So there's a reason why I, I don't think we even hardly talked about this the last time. Uh, David, are you there? I think I saw that you joined us. I'm here. There you are. For whatever reason, my, my screen wasn't showing your screen. Now it is. Uh, well, that's because I had walked away. Ah, now you're with us. So we are kind of <laughs> <laughs> same. I'm tired. Um, what does this this um, I'll say speech by Paul? Does it remind you of any other New Testament passages? If you and if there's an Old Testament passage that it reminds you of, that'd be great too. Bueller. 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 <laughs> so this passage 
uh, has, I, I, and I, it may be in, uh, <laughs> with intent. Where, where is he going? Where is he heading to? I've got my glasses on, so I can't tell. <laughs> he's going to Jerusalem, right? That's the end. Mm-hmm. He's from Jerusalem, then he's going to head to Rome. And because he wants to go further west. And he's a citizen. But, yes, which is why he's going toward to Rome. Um, this whole section has similar uh has echoes of what we tend to call the high priestly prayer of jesus you have heading his face is head you know he's heading towards jerusalem for paul he's bound in the spirit for christ it's he set his face towards jerusalem and that was the direction he was going uh and there as paul says what awaits him is imprisonment, afflictions, something bad is going to happen in Jerusalem. Same with our Lord. Uh, that there, um, here you have, uh, especially in verse 25, now behold, I know that all, that all you among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom will see my face no more, which is also similar to the high priestly prayer where I must go and there will be the comforter. Then you have all the language of the comforter coming. So there is in this Paul, this mission, and we've been talking about this probably almost every time we talk, the echoes, the Christological echoes in the life of the early church and Peter and uh, Stephen and Barnabas um, and Philip uh, now we have Paul, we've had Paul and Timothy and Silas, but he, in his ministry uh, and healing ministry, uh, the ability to um, disappear, just like our Lord did in the crowds, um, there's a lot of echoes, right? And I think we have here another echo of the ministry of Paul, where there's going to be a time our Lord was with the apostles for a certain period of time, but he had to go away in order for the Holy Spirit uh, to descend and to lead them. Uh, and now we have Paul, who has uh, spoken the whole counsel of God and declared everything that he possibly could, everything that was profitable to them. But now he must leave and they're probably never going to see him again. So... This is a kind of um, farewell address that, um, like our Lord, it is talking about what he's headed towards, uh, consoling uh, his disciples, um, but also encouraging them and telling them, uh, like in verse 28, right? The whole, you have the comforter language in... um, the high priestly prayer. Uh, And it's the Holy Spirit that has made these elders uh, over the flock to take care of the church that was bought, obtained with the blood of the son, and that there's going to be fierce wolves, all of this. So you have uh, interesting parallels between the high priestly prayer of our Lord, and then here with Paul and his very impassioned uh, farewell address to the elders at Ephesus. What uh, what do you all make of the beginning of this um, this impassioned address to them, or anything at all that jumps out to you? Well, I know it's a long sentence. <laughs> Takes up. So I'll, I'll two, three, while you, while you all are um, 
cogitating and stewing something up. Um, another aspect of this, we, we have seen Paul uh, in a lot of different tough situations. And we have, we get to see Paul and we're not, we're not seeing this because we're not reading Acts in conjunction with the epistles. But if you've read the beginning of most of the epistles, Pauline epistles or the Corinthian epistles, the heart of Paul is, is very um, visible. And I think you, the, the Paul that we see here in Acts very much lines up with the impassioned um, pleas and um, uh, rem reminding of, uh, we were reading through Colossians right now in the, um, the weekly lectionary. There's a weekend lectionary and then there's a, a weekday lectionary in the, in the church. So we're in Colossians right now, having finished Philippians before that Ephesians. Um, and in Colossians, as um, you have the, the tears, the, the heartfelt um, prayers, as soon as he'd heard about their faith, he is praying for them. Um, he, he doesn't have any qualm with sharing his feelings <laughs> about how he feels for those that he has served, those that he has um, uh, preached the gospel to, to, but not just preached the gospel, but tried in every way possible to equip them um, to bring them to a knowledge of truth uh, and to bring them and raise them up uh, to maturity in Christ. So Hi. we have here very much um, Paul, you know, you know who I am, right? I've lived among you. And here in Ephesus, I, if I remember correctly, he was there two years, right? Um, preaching and teaching. So they know Paul. They probably know the things that maybe he doesn't like to eat or uh, things that makes him grumpy. Because um, surely there's something. And, uh, but his example among them, the humility, the, the tears and the ways in which he encountered the trials uh, that befell him, they know who he is. And that he had no problem. He wasn't, he had courage to declare everything uh, and I think it's important here uh, later on. Let's see here. Let me find the, the specific verse. Verse 27. Uh, well, I will start in verse 26, actually, where he testifies to them. You know, at the beginning, he talks about this is the way of life. You've seen how I've lived among you, the humility, the tears. Um, and then he says, you know, I'm innocent of the blood of you all. If I remember correctly, there's a pastor, there's a passage in Ezekiel that has a reference to the pastoral, um, the responsibility of a pro the prophet. And he talks about how he's innocent of the blood because he has preached to them. He has done the duty. He's he has discharged what he's supposed to do. And how has he done that? For Paul, it's that he didn't shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God. What do you think? Paul means by the whole counsel of God. I can't help but mention Father Stephen DeYoung. Oh, go ahead. Oh, that's the name of his blog. The, the whole of counsel Ste of God. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so now I know we got it. And we got to be careful not to mention him again because they say if you say his name three times, he appears. So. <laughs> Or his mom calls. <laughs> Have you all uh, seen Father her? Father Damick says you don't say his name three times where he appears. But <laughs> depends on how you all seen the most recent Lord of the Spirits podcast or heard it. No, no, I haven't listened. I have I haven't listened well, to it. Well, you all understand my joke yet. then. His mom calls. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's good. I try. I try. I, I try. To, I trying to get to. I'm trying to get to that. Um, I've got so many podcasts and I kind of listen to them in groups. Uh, kind of the way I watch TV. Right. Like Inspector Lewis. Well, the only way to watch Inspector Lewis is start at the beginning and watch every episode until you're done. Well, you know, 
Lord of Spirits is going to be the same way. I start at the beginning and watch every single one. But I'm sorry, the whole Council of God. Uh, it's it's a one. It's a beautiful phrase. Yes. Uh, uh, and I, I think it's so beautiful. I, I I have a hard time. I don't know how to interpret it. It just kind of means what it says. It's like I get I get, I declare do everything. Yeah. Uh, and 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 you know. Do you Paul, think that's challenging for? an apostle or a priest, uh, someone ministering, even in our own situation, to declare the whole counsel of God? Well, in our own day and age, it's very challenging, apparently. Apparently. Well, what I'm saying, yeah, because when I when Paul says the whole counsel of God, uh, I'm always reading Acts, I more and more associate Paul with the road to Emmaus. Oh. And that Jesus walks along with the disciples on the road to Emmaus and they don't know who he is. And he explains how he was revealed through the Old Testament. And through the breaking of bread, they realize that 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 it's him. But the point is, is that he's that, that Jesus is actually revealed throughout the Old Testament. Yes. And, and throughout Acts. Every time Paul goes someplace, the first place he goes to the synagogue and he argues for Jesus as the Christ based on what we call the Old Testament. They would have just called the writings, of course. Okay. It was almost like you were at my homily on Sunday, which you weren't, but (laughs) eventually it'll get uploaded. (laughs) Yes, yes, I was. Oh, you heard on. Oh, that's right. I forgot to load the live stream. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, it'd be nice if we were incensed from time to time. We used to get it. We get incensed indoors. And for some reason, we don't get incensed when you guys are outdoors. But that's another issue. <laughs> there were like 10 people online watching. Really? Good. Yeah. So, you know, if Father Deacon could give us a little shake, it would... <laughs> give I, us I'll a let swing. him know. Give us a swing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but anyhow, so when I read when I read whole counsel of God, and uh, you know I I, I I don't want to invoke he who shall not be named, uh, 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 that's that's him too. Uh, everything everything uh, and, and Father Damick, everything is the Old Testament. Christ revealed in the in the Old Testament, it's the whole council and i say it seems to be difficult today because uh you know a lot of people never get outside the a lot of people never get outside the gospels god bless much less getting getting in into the the old testament in any depth okay i'll get off my soapbox i think i think i've made my point no i appreciate that, that that he that paul um for him the whole council of god and I think we we might be able to. I'll tie this into what you were just saying, David, into where my mind has been going, which is when we read Corinthians, especially Corinthians. I mean, that's where you really see Paul having to address some things uh, that would be challenging to address, and his he does he is on full how do i say this he goes up to 11 uh he uses the whole council of god when he and when he has to address anything any of the issues and all of the various challenges uh he does not shrink he does he has the courage to say what is true what scriptures teach about things even if it's things that people don't want to hear, but it's all uh, from a deep understanding of scripture. It's not the, uh, you know, the epistle of St. Paul and his opinions to Corinthians. Cause even in Corinthians, he talks about like, this is what, like, I, I don't speak for myself. You know, I, I, I have to speak for Christ and what scriptures teach. Um, so it is uh, a challenge but Paul 
seems uh, very confident that he's done everything that he could possibly do to uh, equip this church, to give them the foundation um, so that God could grow, increase them and help through the Holy Spirit, guide the, the next generation of overseers to care for the church. I think we see another aspect of Paul's um, uh, well, hitting actually hitting on the theme that we've hit throughout Acts is um, the issue of money. Verse 33, Paul, I coveted no one silver, silver or gold or apparel. And he took care of himself. He did not lean upon others. Uh, we know from other passages of Paul that he believes it's a right for the minister to um, receive. But for him, it was a matter of principle of apostolic um, kind of kenosis, which I see it as echoing Barnabas uh, and the early church that Paul is continuing that same spirit. Um, he is not one of these super apostles, <laughs> to use the Corinthian language, um, because he has fully divested himself. And you can't, you cannot be, um, you would not be confused to think that Paul was interested in you because of the money that you, that he receives from you, that right. he's somehow a paid, you know, a bought man. But he is uh, taking care of himself. Um, not administered to his own necessities, but also by helping those who are weak. And the the general trend of why he's going to Jerusalem is to bring money from the um, the Gentiles to Jerusalem to help. Another movement of sacrifice of one's goods for the sake of the other. So we see a lot of Paul, the apostle, his the kind of apostolic shadow or figure that he cuts. Um, the confidence and the example he gives in the teaching the everything uh, of scripture, not just choosing the nice parts or the, uh, the easily to hear, the easy to hear parts, uh, and that he was, uh, all of this is bound up in his self-sacrifice and love. And specifically, I think for him, the, the tears that he shed for the faithful. There's a high, he, he sets a very high standard for pastoral care and what a pastor is to be like. It's a challenge. It, it strikes me, I never thought about this before tonight, but he was really, uh, seems to be intentionally rejecting the station and the lifestyles of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I, it had never occurred to me before, but I look at it and go, boy, it's, it seems quite intentional because he was a Pharisee, yes? And, yes. And, 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 and uh, uh, he, he, he uh, he's willfully rejecting that. I, starting from the beginning of this passage, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you yourselves know how I lived among you. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's very intentionally being in the people and among the people and with the people. Uh, so that, and, and that's, that's, uh, that's quite Christ-like. Yes. I think 24 kind of is his own self summary is I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may accomplish my course in the ministry, which I have received from the Lord Jesus to yeah. testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Yeah. Not to put too fine a point on it, but I'm not sure he would be very impressed with uh, 21st century preachers who own their own Learjets. I, I... No, I, I think he I don't would... think he's a Learjet kind of guy. <laughs> no, I think he would also be leery of the rest of us, too. <laughs> I think he would be, too. Yeah, it's uh... we're a little comfortable. Uh, he actually strikes me as quite Gandhi-like. You're not not really owning anything, uh -huh. and just uh, 
Yeah. Are there any other aspects of it? Except oh, instead, of working at the, instead of working at the weaving machine, he makes tents. Right. So after he gives this speech to the presbyters there, he kneels down, prays with them. They all weep, embrace Paul, kiss him. And then they know that they'll see his face no more. And they brought him to the ship. Yep. Shall we journey with Paul to Jerusalem? Who would like to read this section? David, you want to read the first 16 verses? Who? David, will you? Yeah, the first what? 16. 16. Woo, okay. And when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight court to Cos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. And when we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. Through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. And when our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, wives and children, brought us on our way till we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and bade one another farewell. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Potomus, and we greeted the brethren and stayed with them for one day. On the morrow, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. And he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews of Jerusalem bind the man who owns this girdle and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there begged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For am I not for am I for I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, The will of the Lord be done. After these days we made ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. So Paul continues his journey to Jerusalem, but he stops in Tyre. And... Again, I am struck by, as we just encountered in his speech to the Ephesian elders, where the language is he's bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And then here we have that the Spirit, uh, through the disciples, tells him not to go on to Jerusalem. And just how active and present the presence, guidance, providence of God is. is felt and understood. And I think it's something, we've talked about this at least once, but I think it is something um, to consider and pray about as to, because there's a flippant way to talk in this way, right? Uh, I'm sure we've all encountered flippant uh, uses of, you know, God led me to do this. God led me to open this can of green beans uh, or something, you know? Um, or even there's something and maybe it's just me but you know when I encounter folks who talk very much like they're super confident God has done da 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 but it it just and it just seems to be ubiquitous in their life 
I usually scratch my head or I'm thrown off by it, but I think it's something that I should pause over instead of immediately discarding. Father, excuse me, but does the Holy Spirit really tell him to not go to Jerusalem? Through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Verse 4. Okay, had... okay. I, I was looking at the prophet. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no not Agabus, right. Because yeah. Agabus but doesn't so, so this say... is, But that's Agabus, a good point. Agabus doesn't to... actually say, don't go. He just says what's going to happen. Right. But I think what's important, actually, when you're bringing Agabus into this, my out loud pondering, um, is the mediation of the spirit is a communal activity. It, the spirit, there are times where the spirit has uh, communicated with Paul through a, a, a dream or et cetera. But here we have it, it's the disciples uh, community that is mediates the voice of the spirit and then Agabus says this is what the spirit has to say mm -hmm. I think there's something important about that because I think a lot of times when I encounter it or it's a tendency be partly because of the individualism of a lot of modern Christianity um, you know me and my buddy Jesus um, this is a deeply communal and ecclesial experience um, where the Holy Spirit is discerned, mediated through the presence of others and what they're asking or requiring of Paul. What do you all make of this meeting uh, that Paul has in Tyre? Kind of like I mean, the... Go ahead, Erica. I mean, just, I think what John out to me um, most was 11 um, um, kind of uh, gives me um, or it reminds me a bit of uh, Jesus at the tomb uh, and Martha do not hold on to me uh, or what's that Mary uh, I don't that's that at least that's uh, kind yeah, of what yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's Wait, continuing his farewell tour. This is his last. Uh, Stop. Last but, venue. His entire. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and that's kind of what I. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I guess I'm. At the moment, I'm fascinated by it by that uh, verse four. Having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. Through the spirit, they told Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Okay, they told Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. The spirit did not tell Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. They told Paul not to go on through Jerusalem on the basis of what they understood they were receiving from the spirit, which I would guess would be maybe I'm putting too much into this, but what I would guess would be very much what they got, what, what Agabus got. And, and so then I look at that and I think, well, what they are doing is, I hesitate to say it because I'm afraid I'm putting too much into it, but I'll say it anyway, just so we can move on. Uh, I'm wondering whether or not what's going on here is understanding what was going on and not liking it. They, they try to get Paul to resist it. It's like Peter with Jesus going to Jerusalem. And Peter gets upset because Jesus is going to get crucified. I see you're going, but I, I don't see that in the text. Okay, that's why I, that's what I'm saying. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me that they like there's a spirit-led decision communal that they, you know, just as we go all the way back to Acts 15, right, with the first 
uh, like synod, as it were, uh, you have, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is operating and the Holy Spirit communicating through the disciples there entire. Um, so that the one, the active leader in that is the spirit. I don't think it's the disciples using the spirit, but it's the spirit who's through the disciples having Paul not go. Just like the Spirit led him to Macedonia, um, just like the Spirit whisked him away at different times, I think there is um, again the 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 guidance and providence of the God's leading through this is, I think, what's being underlined here. So then, why does he go on to Jerusalem? Because he tarried for a few days. I, so the way I'm reading that is not they tell him never go to Jerusalem. They just say, wait a few days. Don't go just now. And then the, he stays there seven days. That's a long time. Okay. That's how I, I read it. Now I see, now I see why, you're, why you were getting that, that read. Yeah. So what we, who is Philip uh, when they get to Caesarea? One of the seven, but what, one of what the does seven. that mean? I don't know. Come on, Erica. Think back months ago now. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely remember what I had yesterday. So uh... yeah, I don't remember what I ate yesterday. That's for sure. Says Philip the evangelist. Yeah. Who who is the who is the Philip in Acts earlier? We say evangelist. I go well. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I don't remember a Philip. Philip did evangelize the Ethiopian eunuch, and oh, he was one. Of, and oh. he was one of the seven. One of the seven deacons. Oh, Barnabas, Philip. Yep. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, when when you say it like that. (laughs) So I find it fascinating, like prophecy. I I really, I'm coming away from the book of Acts. And you know what the book of Acts is making me want to read and revisit? Elijah and Elisha. Oh, yeah. Samuel and Saul, and David, all those guys, you know? Yeah. Because Good stuff. There's prophecy. Let me get my finger in there. The, the spirit. Uh, demons. We've encountered demons recently. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of fascinating stuff. I, I was working on something, so I was reviewing some uh, Samuel, Saul, David stuff, and woo. There's a lot of the book of Acts that um, rings in this way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Why? So I'm just left with, okay. Four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Okay. Cool, Luke. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Obviously, there must be something important here. Um about them being, I mean, we've already talked about the fact of the presence of prophets in the early church, and Agabus has also showed up earlier as yeah. a prophet, so he's mm-hmm. making another appearance. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, David, your your Peter getting in the way of uh, Jesus works, especially here for the people in Caesarea, where they're begging him not to go up to Jerusalem. But Paul has his face set towards Jerusalem, and they're not, and he's ready to to be in prison or even die. Yeah, knowing what is going to happen. Yep. Yeah. Should we get to Jerusalem? <laughs> This is not much of a feel-good gospel. Uh, 
Yeah, it's not like he's jet-setting around from Antioch to Jerusalem, raising funds, building mansions. Uh, I'll it's read like, it's like the more I study, the more I wonder where the feel-good gospel comes from. It's like, are you kidding me? America. Everybody's, everybody's picking up crosses and going where they don't want to go. And, and dying on them. <laughs> Yeah, and su- and suffering things that nobody in their right mind would want to suffer or endure. Well, that doesn't sell. So you got to come up with something. Give me that old time religion. Yeah, you know, this is uh, this teaching's too hard. Who can bear it? Uh, yeah, John six. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Let's go. I will go ahead and I'll read seventeen through twenty six here. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law. And they have been told that about you, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or observe the customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus will all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, that you yourself live in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what is strangled and from unchastity. Then Paul took the men and the next day he purified himself with them and went into the temple to give notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for every one of them. So this is fascinating. Nazarene. Yes, the Nazarene vow. We have here... This is, again, something that I, uh, so many bad ideas about what the law is, that it is just the moral law or it's the ceremonial law. And they'll break, you know, folks will make these breakdowns as they're trying to wrap their heads around what the relationship is between the scriptures, the, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um there is, as we from the very beginning of this class talked about, the the parting of the ways was in transition. There is not a clear cut here. Um, Paul doesn't seem to have any trouble with doing exactly what he should do as a Jew. He just doesn't think that a Gentile needs to do these things. And over time, the church, basically, as the church goes through um, the subsequent generations, um, there there would be at some point a time when, uh, well, there is no temple. So there's that. So there's the inability to do that after a, a generation or two. Uh, but we have Paul here uh, follows what James and the elder the, the elders in Jerusalem tell him, uh, and he shows that he's kind of like our Lord when he says, "I came to fulfill the law, not to um, abolish it." So when we've talked about Timothy and why Timothy was circumcised um, at right after Paul seems to be very specific about that Gentiles don't need to follow the law, um, that we see that Timothy was Jewish and for the sake of the gospel, uh, Paul is going to become all things to all men uh, so that he might win all to Christ. So this whole event is um, Paul's affirmation. I also think it's a great gesture of unity. Um. Paul obeys and humbles himself. He could have made a big ordeal about this. Um, I have a feeling that Paul um, 
my understanding of Paul is that I don't think he thinks that this is actually required of him anymore, but he's going to do it for the sake of those uh, who believe it's required. Now, I'm going to put an asterisk next to what I just said and say, I'd have to think about that to see if I would stand by that or not. But my understanding of Paul, what he's doing here is he's, he's not acquiescing out of weakness, but out of a pastoral strategy. He's trying to be wise with the folks that he's got because otherwise he would alienate them and undermine his own ministry. Anybody else have any comments about this Nazarene vow and what Paul's doing? I'm trying to remember where the verses are where Paul talks about when I was this with these people, I was like this. And when I was with those people, I was like that. And, um, and Corinthians. Become all things to all men. Yeah. So that I might win some. First Corinthians nine twenty two. So, though I am free, this is new NIV. So forgive me. <laughs> though I am free, this is verse nineteen. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Again, caveat NIV, not my favorite translation, but yeah. But it's got the spirit of the thing anyway. And, it, and it look, I, I would suggest that's what he's doing here. Yes. He's becoming all things to all people. Yep. You know? I have a, uh, I guess, kind of question slash clarification. Uh, like verse 25, the, isn't, I think it's one of the letters to the Corinthians uh, about the meat that's been sacrificed to idols. Like yep. it's okay to eat it, but if it, scandalous to your brother and you probably shouldn't do it so i i'm just kind of curious when there was a I change think that, uh so this is acts 15 right what they're yes. talking about here right the same decision yeah. uh i think this is paul the principle that we just read paul thinks this applies to everybody so that means in for the sake of the weaker brother Paul is going to do what he needs to do. Um, so under those under the law, he's going to act like he's under the law. Well, no, but um, here it's like instruction I, to the Gentiles who have right. believed. And then right. later on, it's kind of like, like, it's okay. Just don't do it if it's going to scandalize people. Yeah, I think that's his gloss on Acts 15. That would be my guess. That's a good question. I'd have to go back and reread that chapter because that's one of those, as you may imagine, pretty contentious chapters in interpretation uh, right alongside the uh, verses about head coverings, mm. which everyone just goes. <laughs> so I think Father Stephen DeYoung I only said his name once. Uh, his article on head coverings uh, is interesting. Uh, but if you were to read like the scholarly literature about it, everybody's confused. Trying to, there's a, just a lot of questions about what's going on. With the head coverings? Yeah, in, yeah. in Corinthians. And I, I would have to go back and revisit the chapter on sacrificing idol to meat, eating meat sacrificed to idols. Yeah. Did we get Paul arrested tonight? Shall we get Paul arrested tonight? Yeah, sure. it's 8 30. I'm tired. Let's get Paul arrested. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. 
Let's do that. When the, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say sorry, I was late, but that's not important. Oh, we, we were we were going to go ahead because we didn't know. I thought you were coming, but yeah. When the seven days were in verse twenty-seven, when the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia who had seen him in the temple stirred up all the crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, "Men of Israel, help! This is the man who's teaching men everywhere against the people and the law in this place." Moreover, moreover, he also brought Greeks into the temple, and he's defiled this holy place. That's Greeks in the temple? He's, oh no! Paul's a rabble rouser. <laughs> For they had previously previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Well. Then all the city was aroused and the people ran together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were trying to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And they saw the tribune and the soldiers. They stopped beating Paul. This is like brothers and sisters fighting and then the parents come. <laughs> then the tribune came up and arrested him and bound, ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some of the crowd shouted one thing, some another, and as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying away with him. And I'm gonna, we're going to finish this chapter. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, may I say something to you? <laughs> and he said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. I beg you, let me speak to the people. And when he had given him leave, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. There, And when there was a great hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, saying, oh, we're not going to do that tonight. Yeah, why'd you do that? <laughs> Because I'm, I, I've watched too many shows, so you know now you're yeah. all hanging at the edge of your seat. So, I just want to comment real quickly that it's just like every other city he goes to. Yes, exactly. I think a lot of those cities are uh, uh, shadow foreshadowing some of this. He yeah, dodged the last one, right? Because they probably would have killed him in the last one. Or Artemis is, you know, yeah, uh, make Ephesus great again. Um, poor Artemis. Poor Artemis. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. It was low hanging fruit. Um, <laughs> so we have Paul here. Is now he's done it. He's uh, he's been talking about you know he's against the law and the, this holy place. What does this scene also remind you of besides the things he's already got himself into trouble in the past? What does Jesus get in trouble for? Healing on the Sabbath. It's some part of it. Speaking against the temple. Yep. Because they don't understand what he's talking about. Terrorists build it down in three days. Yep. Paul's got the same problem. A little bit different, but very similar, right? Failure uh, to treat the temple with the respect that it is due. Yep, now we have a crowd who wants to kill him. What does that sound like? Jesus, Barabbas, yeah. you know, yeah. etc. So at least Paul has something going for him that we'll find out that uh, he's a Roman citizen. So he gets a get out of jail free card, as it were. Um, but this. Um, the preaching of Paul in the inclusion of the Gentiles, um, it's fascinating how that echo, what that means in the fulfillment of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is fulfilling the law, that that has now become the firebrand issue. Paul's not saying that he's God, right? He's not speaking against the temple to destroy it. Um but he speaks very poignantly and pointed against the temple in ways that the common uh, Jew who's heard him from Asia, Asia Minor, um, think that, thinks that he is 
Well, and so, I mean, in many ways, he is against the way uh, the Jews self-understand themselves in relationship to the temple. And that now with Jesus Christ, vis-a-vis the temple, we have the fulfillment of the temple and everything in the temple in Jesus Christ. Um, so what Paul is going, they want to kill him for uh, is in many ways reminiscent and echoing Jesus, but with just uh, now having the fulfillment having occurred in Jesus Christ. Which kind of brings us back to Paul, what was it, where we began at Eusebius? Uh-huh. Teaching the whole counsel of God. Yes. The whole counsel of God is the law and the fulfillment of the law. Yeah, I would, and I would even say the whole counsel of God means that sometimes you got to withstand Peter to his face. Right? Even one of the apostles. Sometimes you got to withstand Peter to his face. Yes, the, when Paul confronts Peter about his lack of inclusion of the Gentiles and that we find in the book, uh, the epistle to the Galatians. Yeah. Um, that means that Paul has got no problem with, uh, even though he's an apostle born out of due time, right? Like he's late to the party. Uh, he doesn't have a problem with uh, taking on the uh, head of the band of the apostles, Peter, nope. who was there from the beginning, from the ministry on. And Paul wasn't. But Paul has grasped what it means for the kingdom to be available to all in a way that Peter seemingly is not really grappled with yet or wrapped his head around. Boy, that raises a really interesting question. What's for Jesus? Dinner? The disciples were fishermen and tax collectors and yes. so on. So, and 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 on the and back to the road to Emmaus, they could not see him. They struggled to see him as a fulfillment of the law. Mm-hmm. And Paul, as a Pharisee, sees it, and once he has the revelation, he's supremely confident of it because he is so well educated in the in the law. Mm-hmm. So. It's just interesting that Jesus did not pick anybody like Paul as a disciple while Jesus was alive. Because I'm kind of in that school that Paul's actually the 12th disciple where they decided they needed the drug. Nothing against, uh, who was it, Matthias? You know, <laughs> the poor guy. It's like it's like human beings decided, oh, you, okay, you're going to be the new 12th disciple. And, and God slash Jesus said, well, actually, this guy's going to be the <laughs> but 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 any but, but you, you understand what i'm saying it's just kind of an interesting I think thing paul, that jesus yeah. very intentionally did not pick a paul like carry of course you had uh paul had to be different though you know paul had to to bridge the gap in the way that i don't mean the the homebodies, the is you know the ones from uh, Jerusalem and that that area, that's where they're at. But Paul's a cosmopolitan. You need mm-hmm. Paul in order for like he's the chosen vessel, right? He's like Jeremiah or Isaiah, one of the prophets. He's chosen by God to mm-hmm. expand. Mm-hmm. And you need, I mean, you needed him. There's no other way to do it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting. The whole dynamic of Peter and Paul is fascinating. And just the whole dynamic of the Jerusalem church. And then now you have Ephesus, right? The Ephesian church is now going to be a serious hub in Antioch, right? Um, yeah. These are now, and of course we, you know, Rome will be, then become a major hub um, for Greek speaking, not just Latin. I think there's a lot of times this idea is uh, there's a lot of Greek speaking Christianity, as you all know from the Mass, you still have Kyrieleison and Christeleison. Um, there's a lot of Greek speaking going on in the Roman Church, um, Hippolytus, etc. So, the early Church has got um, 
these particular hubs, they, uh, they stay that way for a long time for hundreds of years. Yeah. Not until the Muslims come and shake things up. Does anyone have any other questions about in there? We'll go to the next chapter to Paul's uh, speech to his Romans and fellow countrymen. Thank you, Father. Thank you all. Did you get new? I'm going to stop the recording because I'm about to ask a question. You're going to ask me personal questions.